You're listening to Mitnick's Monthly Brushstrokes, a podcast on the art of outsmarting, the fun part that sets you apart. I'm Keith Mitnick, author of Don't Eat the Bruises, How to Foil Their Plans to Spoil Your Case. For more information, please visit keithmitnick.com. In this podcast, I want to talk about depositions. And I know that doesn't sound that exciting because we all like to think about trial. But honest to goodness, if you change your perspective, they get fun, they get exciting, and they make all the difference in the world. And what I'm going to be suggesting to you in this podcast is think about depositions, not as discovery that's boring and tedious. Think about it as getting ready for trial because that's fun and it's worthwhile. To me, depositions are all about opening statements and cross-examination. It is about gathering the information that you need to deliver the most powerful opening you can and the most powerful cross-examination you can. There are really two main purposes, now that we've talked about the perspective. The two main purposes of depositions are gathering sound bites that you can use in opening statement and cross-examination, and secondly, gathering intel so there are no surprises. Now let's get into the, to the meat of it. On the sound bites, there's several ways I see it, and I think it works. The really good trial lawyers I know may have a little different description, but they're doing the same thing, which is you want to get admissions if you can. If they will admit, yes, I'd have to admit that your client wasn't malingering to the doctor the defense hired to do an, quote, independent examination. Well, that's a huge admission because you can turn around an opening statement and say, look, some cases involve situations where the person suing is exaggerating, but you don't need to worry about in this case. You can take that off your worry list because they hired this doctor and paid him a lot of money and they hire him all the time to not only read records, but to meet my client, examine my client, interview my client. And one of the things he looks for is if they're exaggerating, making things up. They have a fancy word for it. It's called malingering. Well, you can take that off your worry list here because after all that looking and checking, the guy hired by the defense says, no, I found no evidence your client was malingering. Now, before I move forward in this process, here's the way I'd suggest you ask it. Ask, are you suggesting my client was malingering? They're going to think, trap, he wants me to admit it so he can make me look unreasonable and overreaching. And they're inclined to say, nope. Don't say it this way. You're not suggesting my client is malingering because, again, their knee-jerk reaction is to say, the hell I am. So if you ask it right, nine out of ten times they're going to say no, and you're going to be armed with something very powerful and opening. Why did I think of that question years ago in those depositions? Because everything I look at is through the lens of these purposes, sound bites, more intel, and preparing for opening and cross-examination. Also, you can ask things of that same doctor, we call them CMEs, that are hired by the defense. So what you're saying is all just a big coincidence. Didn't have it before, started with a crash, hasn't gone away, and you're saying the crash is all just a big coincidence. It just so happens that the natural aging process decided to rear its head at that moment, and they're going to wrestle with you. Tie it down where you get a clean answer of, yeah, it is just a big coincidence. Then an opening statement, because it's all through the lens. And you're going to hear this guy they hired and they paid all this money to that they hired all the time is going to walk in here and look at you and tell you under oath he thinks it's all just a big coincidence. And it's devastating. But you couldn't do it if you didn't do the hard work the right way in deposition. So get the sound bites and get them tight, not rambling. If it takes you 15 minutes 
of I hear you, Doc, but you keep adding in a page worth of disclaimers. I'm going to keep coming back, and if I have to, I'm going to suspend the deposition and go to the judge. It sounds like you're telling me, yes, it was according to you. You say a big coincidence. And stick with it till you get yes. So it's clean. Because one thing we all know that have done it long, and the younger lawyers will figure it out soon enough, you can have a great answer buried in something that took a page. Now you stand up and impeach them and start reading it. If you skip to the hot part, they'll object. You got to read it all. Now you start reading it, you're halfway down and they object. Judge, this is an impeachment. And you say, I'm getting to it. And the judge says, we'll get to it. And by the time all that happens, it's lost. So do the roll up your sleeves, get a soundbite. Always think, I got a good answer out of them. I need to get a soundbite attached to that good answer, not a rambling long thing. I call it the mudfish witness. It's like an old mudfish, we call them down in Florida, they're catfish. They'll get in the bottom of a lake and swish their big old tail around and get the silt to stir up and they hide, that's their defense, in the silt. And this is all about grabbing the mudfish and dragging them out of the silt to the surface where you got it clear and clean and usable. Now, more on the intel part. We've been talking about the soundbite part. You want to make sure you get the details. If it's a car crash, what was the speed you estimate? If you can, what was the distance? It's fine if they say, I can't estimate, don't know. Whatever it is, get it. What were they doing? Where were they looking? Was their blinker on? And you want to make sure you're thinking, is there something if I don't ask, I may get popped in the mouth in opening statement by them. I may hear it in cross-examination. Make sure you pin them down on the intel part. Also, they're experts. You want to list all of their opinions. Ask about them until you understand them, because if you're right and they're wrong, a whole bunch of them are going to be valid, but they're going to be some that have a fatal flaw that are going to sound like a thud when you beat around on a wall and you hear the empty space. Keep poking around. Don't be proud. Check your pride at the door. Say, I don't understand. Tell me some more. What does that mean? I don't know that word. The jury's not there. This is about gathering the information. Put your pride away. Ask questions till you know what all their opinions are. Make sure you say, are there any others? Make sure you understand them and make sure you go thumping around until you find the fatal flaws because that's going to be your opening. This guy's going to say so-and-so, but let me tell you where it all falls apart. Boom. Cross-examination. You go right after it. So, Make sure you get them and listen. It's all for trial. By the way, if the deposition of a witness is for trial, for goodness sake, if they object to the form, if you were at trial, you would just say, rephrase it. You're liable to lose that great answer if you don't fix it at the depot because you're not going to have an opportunity at trial. Just fix it. If they object and it's a legitimate objection or even close, fix it. So you know the answer, if it's a good one, is usable at trial, if it's a four-trial depot. Also, if you're at some expert for the defense's deposition and at the tail end, they come in and start asking a bunch of questions to qualify about their training in school, you can bet they're planning to read it or play it and not have them come live. So act accordingly. Come back, swoop in, get what you need, go to the judge, say, I want to retake them if they're not calling them so I can do a four-trial cross-examination. I'm entitled to discovery deposition first. So be on the lookout for those type of things with your expert. Come in with a list of all those opinions that you need, particularly important medical malpractice cases. You could end up with a directed verdict or summary judgment. And if your expert leaves one out because they're asking them on the fly to remember everything, at the tail end, say, doctor, did you have an opinion on? You're just simply getting it into the record so they can't claim surprise later. 
in a med mal case, make sure you have your experts say, in addition to they should have done this, then add in, it's also below the standard of care if they didn't at least inform the patient and involve them in the decision. If you get that, they can't claim surprise when you stand up an opening and say, he ought to have done it, but at the very least, he should have kept the patient in the loop, not in the dark, which is a very user-friendly position to take. So make sure you plan, you think, and you always remember it is not just a discovery deposition to check it off the box. It is for a specific purpose of getting ready for trial, mostly for opening, mostly for cross-examination. And one last piece to this I want to make sure that I cover before I sit out, which is life care plans. This isn't so much depositions, but it's discovery. And I won't come back to discovery in these sessions, so let me get this. Please don't have your life care planner Come up with a plan and you just send it on to the other side. Look at it. Study it. Make sure there are not things in there that they're going to mock because a life care plan should be an asset for your case, not a liability. So read it and call out things that you think are fluff or overreaching so that you can believe wholeheartedly in it and support it with gusto in front of the jury. Thank you. For more information, please visit keithmitnick.com.